This is the part of the service that we are going to open up God's Word together. And you're going to have to excuse me. I have got what is officially known as man flu. It was touch and go for a while uh, through the week. Uh, so at points during this talk, I have got a naturally low voice as it is. So we are going to the depths this morning. But what will happen is at the end of a line, occasionally, a little high pitch will come in just because my throat is creaking. So I might go, and isn't that like, Jesus? So you'll just have to excuse me and realize that uh, it is the man flu. So uh, we are on to ch 1 John chapter 3 this morning. We've been going through a series through the book of 1 John in the Bible. And we want to understand deeper what it means to be a follower of Jesus. What it means to truly live for him. And as we've looked through chapter, uh, as we look through the first two chapters so far, there's a recurring theme of love in this book. John is speaking uh, to a church and is reminding them again and again and again what it means to love as a follower of Jesus. How can we know we have eternal life? And how should we live in light of what Jesus has done for us? What are the marks of living, breathing, uh, of being a living, breathing follower of Jesus, full of faith? It's a bit like uh, football fans. You hear football fans sometimes saying, you know, I'm a Rangers fan and I bleed red, white, and blue. What would it look like? What would be the lifeblood for those of us who love Jesus? And when we speak about that, we often uh, feel for something so massive and life-changing as knowing Jesus, as living for him, I often think, why, why do we need to be reminded why do we need to be reminded? We have, if we believe and trust in Jesus this morning, we have the Holy Spirit living in us. Let's just pause for a second. We have God's Holy Spirit living in us. God's Holy Spirit is here. The very Spirit that hovered over the waters in Genesis. The very Spirit that shook a house of very ordinary people in an upper room to do extraordinary things. The very spirit who met a man who was murdering Christians, who was persecuting Christians and used him, transformed his life to share the good news of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is in us. Nothing is above him. Nothing is beyond him. Nothing is too much or too minor. He is here. And we can all appreciate that we go through seasons where life is tough where it's a battle, where some of us might be here and it's like survival mode. Or maybe where we're caught in routines and patterns of addiction and sin and it just feels hard. Maybe some of us are here, when I've said that this morning, we're giving it a amen. Yes, I am in that place. We'd love to, let's pray before we open God's word. I'd love to pray. Lord, as we open your word, will you make us more aware of your presence? of who you are. Will you remind us of your great love for us, that you break chains, that you flood hearts with hope and with love, that you fill us up with purpose, you fill us up with comfort, you fill us with peace. May we come away this morning not with comments like, that was a nice song, or that was a funny story, or those were great cookies, but a de declaration and a heart cry, I have met with the living God. May that be our, our heart, heart song as we leave this church this morning. Amen. Amen. Now we are, are reaching 1 John 3, and I want us to start at verse 11. 
Uh, I think Bibles have been given out if you needed a Bible. So we're at 923, page 923, and these Bibles that we've given out. And it should be on the screen as well. And I've called this talk, Signs of Love. What are the real signs that somebody loves you? Uh, I want to ask that question. What, what do you think the signs are that somebody loves you? Or you love someone? And it got me thinking some of my examples in our marriage. Or it might be that you can relate and you think of a, a friendship. Or you think of your children. Or you think of family members. For me, here's a couple of the signs of love right now. For me, it's constantly leaving the washing piled up right next to the washing basket. So I don't put it in the washing basket, I leave the washing piled up right next to the washing basket. And Mary persevering with that is a sign that she loves me. Uh, also, the morning cup of tea in bed for Mary uh, is a little thing that's a sign of love uh, when I remember. Also, the late night dash to the shops. You know that way when you're sitting at half past nine at night and you know the co-op closes at ten. And you could do with a bag of Maltesers. And you both look at each other or you think... I'm going to go. I'm going to do it. Buying flowers as well can be a sign of love. And for me, it's not a way of saying sorry, but it's actually going back to the very first time that I bought flowers for Mary, which happened to be an artificial set of flowers, which was a complete and utter terrible, terrible mistake. So in a way, me buying flowers is not just a sign of love. It's me trying to earn, earn my way back and think, I can salvage this. The last Rolo, does anybody remember all those adverts? The last Rolo, that can be a sign of love. Sharing food. I always think of friends. Joey doesn't share food. But I love it when we go out to a restaurant and Mary chooses something and I know I'm secretly going to love it as well. Because I'm like, oh, I'm going to get a bit of that as well. So I've got my cheeseburger and chips, but you've got that delicious meal that I'm going to get a little bit at the end. And she lets me have it. Also, getting up in the middle of the night to comfort a baby. And don't make the mistake of saying, like I have done on many an occasion, last night was brilliant, wasn't it? What a great night's sleep I got. And then I get a dead arm, or <laughs> I just get a stare. On a more serious note, signs of love are preferring others. Signs of love are loving in spite of our failures. It's a steadfast, resolute, remaining kind of love that through thick or thin, we won't give up on the ones that we love, even when it may seem they give up on us. Just as these examples of signs of love to one another, 1 John 3 paints the picture of some signs of love that I want to unpack, and he goes into some depth as to what these are as followers of Jesus. To Inverness, this beautiful city, to the people around us, including each other here this morning, and I'd love to unpack them a bit. So, 1 John 3, starting at verse 11. <coughs> For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions 
and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them? How can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Such good couple of verses there. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in His presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts, and He knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask because we keep His commands and do what pleases Him. And this is His command, to believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as He commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in us and He in them. And this is how we know that He lives in us. We know it by the Spirit He gave us. Amen. I feel that God has given me three words this morning for us as a church, and it's three questions. And it's kind of like a self-assessment tool. And I really believe He wants to, to minister, as I was preparing this this morning, that He wants to minister and unwork some deep, rooted stuff in us this morning. I believe John's few verses here that we've read challenges us to respond to three questions. Firstly, what is spilling out? Secondly, what are we giving away? And then finally, what's going in? So we're going to look at that uh, this morning. What is spilling out? Now, firstly, to some of our, our friends, I am affectionately known as Spiller. Now, the reason I am known as Spiller, I have quite a reputation uh, to the degree that some friends would purposely guard their carpets whenever I'd go round to their houses, because I would spill tea, coffee. Even 20 minutes ago, I was chatting to someone with my hot orange, and somehow I spilt some on the floor. Uh, a couple of weeks ago at Rise, it struck again. I was holding a cup of coffee, and I just let go of it. Does any, you just forget you're holding it. Does anybody else get that? Or, yeah, no, we're just all laughing. That's okay. I maybe need to look into that. But my ultimate story is when I was training to be a mortgage advisor. I was down in Milton Keynes, and there was over, I think there was over 100 on our course. And it was the final morning. We were staying at a hotel, went out for breakfast, and uh, we had this buffet breakfast at the hotel. I had my suit on and I had my tray. And, I, you know, I go to town when they have these breakfasts. The full works. You have hash browns and just everything. So I had it on my plate. And did I not just slip? I slipped the tray and the whole breakfast spilled all over the front of my suit. And I remember literally I was lying with my back and the tray and all the breakfast kind of all over me. And I had to run upstairs. It was one of the most mortifying moments of my life. And it felt like it happened in slow motion. It was terrible. It was terrible. Let me give you a little example here, and I'm going to need... Sue, why don't you come up a second? You can be my little uh, assistant here. If I was to carry this water just now, so this water is full to the brim, and I want to go and get my double chocolate cookie, which is good, by the way. There, there's not many of them, but if you get one, they are good. And uh, if Sue was in the queue, and I had my arm out, and she just nudged me, go and nudge me. So <laughs> the juice spills, doesn't it? Whatever in the cup. Thank you, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Thank you, Sue. We should give her a cheer. Yes, Sue. That's the bit everyone's going to remember. That was the part. Whatever is in the cup spills out. I'm going to have a wee drink. Whatever is in the cup spills out. And that's a lot like our lives. Because that cup is us. 
And Sue, in that little example, is the unexpected knocks. It's the irritations. It's the surprises that we all face through our weeks. Whatever's in the cup spills out in that moment. This on the floor is a really good indicator of the quality of life that is in within. What hit the floor? What's going on in our hearts? So I want to ask us this morning, what's hitting the floor this morning? What are we letting spill out? When someone cuts us up driving, what's spilling out? When someone does better at work, what's spilling out? When somebody gets that promotion, what's spilling out? When someone lets us down, what's spilling out? When someone gets recognized and appreciated, what's spilling out? When you make a mistake, when you're the only one and no one else has, what is spilling out? When an emergency arises and we don't know where to turn, what is spilling out? Verse 11 in this passage says we should love one another. Verse 14 in this passage says, because we love each other. Verse 23 in this passage says, and to love one another as he commanded us. This is a command. This is the sign right here. This is the very, the very essence of God is love. And he lives in our hearts, so we are transformed into loving people. And John in this passage uses the story of Cain and Abel, which is a, a, sad, a sad story where Cain didn't bring an offering to God that was suitable. And it was not offered in the right heart. He had a chance to make it right. God gave him another chance, and he rejected it. And what spilled out, what hit the floor when he saw his brother, Abel, whose offering was acceptable to God, when he saw his brother get it right, it says in Genesis chapter 4, verse 4, the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favor. And this is the bit here. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. What spilled out of his cup, what hit the floor was anger, resentment, bitterness. And you can read yourself in Genesis 4, the bigger story with that. So I want to ask us, firstly, what is spilling out? And this morning might be a case of we need to actually just get the cup and pour it all out because what we've been filling ourselves with has not been great. What we've been giving out has not been great. What is hitting the floor in those instances, those surprises, those letdowns, those irritations has not been great in our speech, in our thoughts, in our actions. And we would love to pray with you uh, this morning if you know God is stirring some stuff and highlighting some stuff this morning. I need to watch I don't slip in that. I was kind of thinking, I need to remember to mop that up. So what is spilling out? Secondly, what are we giving away? I want to tell you the story of a man, and this is a great name, Herman Gordon. That's a good name, isn't it? Herman Gordon. Now, Herman Gordon, has anybody heard of Herman Gordon? One person has heard of Herman Gordon. Brilliant. Herman Gordon is a cleaner who has worked at Bristol Uni for 12 years. He came from Jamaica in the 1960s, and Herman hadn't been back to Jamaica for over a decade. He still had loads of family over in Jamaica, and uh, why don't we just watch a little video clip that hopefully will come up here. A little gift, we'd like you to open it. Mm -hmm. 
This is from all the students at Bristol University. <laughs> no, I'm not going, but you know, when you think like this, you know that somebody loves you. Man. Come here. God bless, man. God bless. God bless you. God bless. I want to say thank you for everything you've done. And God bless every one of you. Everyone. Right, let me tell you about Herman Gordon. Uh, the students, he was brought to tears in July this year when the students at the uni raised £1,500 so he could go and visit his family in Jamaica with his wife. And this is what he said, God bless you all. Everybody will see this and think that I'm a trillionaire. I will do my best with the, I try to do my best with the students to help them. When I'm cleaning the library, I chat to them and give them advice. I try to encourage them to do their best in life when they finish their studies. It's brilliant, isn't it? It's brilliant. Verse 16 to 18 in this passage says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother and sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. We believe that generosity, just as, as it was modeled there by a bunch of students, is to be one of the hallmarks of our church as we start out in Verness Vineyard Church. In 2 Corinthians, it speaks about God loving a joyful giver. And this week, you may have seen on Facebook, uh, we shared across social media, we've committed as a church to give 15% of our income out to mission. And one of our first mission partners are a charity called Kids Club Kampala, who are a charity uh, run by two young women down in England who help vulnerable children in Uganda. And they're doing an incredible job setting up uh, education and helping them pair them with uh, just more structured and safe homes. And it's just incredible. If you go onto our website, you can find a link to there and read about that. And we'll be announcing some more mission partners in the coming weeks. And honestly, when I click those buttons to say as a church, we're going to be giving out to Kids Club Kampala, when I send that email to those two women who run that charity, my spirit lifted. When Mary and I sat down as we moved here to Inverness, and we sat down and like, how much are we going to give to the church? And we decided, honestly, the excitement was palpable. We were so, so excited. What is God going to do with this? This little that we are bringing for his work. What we give in our time and our money and our gifts and our talents is a sign of love. It's a sign of love for the church. It's a sign of love for this city. It's a sign of love for people. And we would love you just as we look at this point to examine in our hearts how generous we are, what we hold on to, what we protect, and why we protect it. What excuses perhaps we make to bring it to God afresh this morning. To be a generous church, we are to continue to be a generous people. And I was really struck by that video because that's a group of students. That's a group of students at a university. Students typically have very little money. Students are, are busy people. 
And they sometimes busy, yeah, let's be honest. But you know what? Those students at a university saw a need, and collectively, they made it happen and they met it. Because love lived in that place. Matthew 6, 19 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. I'd love to, to say, if you call Inverness Vineyard your place, I would love you, we would love you, Mary and I, to consider or reconsider your financial giving, to consider also, oh, the bin's gone, to consider your financial giving, to consider the bin that finds its ways to cupboards that are bare, to families who don't know where the next tin is coming from, folk that are living day by day would love you to consider who you see whether it be in this room whether it be out in our work whether it be out in our neighborhood our street who's struggling who's God putting in your path to love in this church at your work your neighbors strangers and to give away to give away and and in everything we do we try to model it in here so we can go and do it out there we try to model it in here so we can do it for real out there. This little space isn't the end goal. The city of Inverness and the Shire is our mission field. And that's why we cook meals for folk who move house. That's why we cook meals for folk that have had babies. That's why we cook meals for folk that are struggling with illness. That's why we drop off unexpectedly little care packages for people when we get a little hint that they have had a rubbish week. That's why we turn up at the door and go, bless you. We love you. We're for you. Enjoy this. Maybe a little bottle of wine and some junk food, some Maltesers, wine gums. Yes. That's why we pray for one another in this space for healing, for comfort, for breakthrough. That's why we put on socials and we encourage for us to gather, but to bring people who don't know Jesus along. That's why we came up with kindness, which we're starting on the 13th of October, going out into the city and giving away just a heap of stuff to love people and to let them know that we're here. No strings attached. So what goes on in here as a church is to be reflected out in the city and it's to take root in our hearts. I'd love us to think of the potential of that if we live this out. How many people would be loved and cared for as Jesus would intend? And I'd love to ask us, what can we give away this week? An extra meal? Maybe take along your lawnmower and cut some grass? Maybe it's a care package? Maybe it's time? Maybe it's money? Who is our Herman Gordon? I had to say that name one more time. Who is our Herman Gordon this week? How can we make it happen? You may want to write it down or put it in your phone before you leave here this morning. So what are we giving out? And then just finally, what's going in? To go back to the first point, and I'm going to take another drink, because my throat. The cup spills out again and again and again, and it empties. And I want to close by challenging us, what is going in? What's going in? Because what goes in must come out. In verse 19, it says, this is how we know that we belong to the truth, and we set our hearts at rest in his presence. 
And if we continue, if our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts, and He knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. This letter that John has put together has been written to bring us assurance. But when we read this letter, it may seem like time and time again, a highlighter pen has been highlighted, oh, I'm not doing that, and oh, I'm gutted about this, or I'm mucked up here. It shows us how little like Jesus we really are. Often our motives can be wrong. Have you ever had moments as well where you make a decision and you know your heart tells you it's the wrong one, but you push on anyway? You're like stubborn. You're like, I'm going to do this. Often we fall short and we'll continue to fall short. But there's a great truth in verse 20. We know that God is greater than our hearts and He knows everything. He knows. He knows everything. He knows this morning our secret struggles. He knows this morning our pain. He knows our joys. He knows our dreams. He knows our addictions. He knows our successes. He knows our failures. He knows our regrets. But he also knows that the love that we carry, that we do carry, is a sign of his love. We are imperfect. We make mistakes. We want to be more like Jesus. We sing about it. We read about it. We pray about it. And our yearning for that and knowing we fall short doesn't destroy our assurance, but ultimately it confirms it. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. But I also think this final question is so important. What are we letting in? How do we fill the cup? Where does God fit? And the minute that I wrote, where does God fit? Fit is entirely the wrong word. If we're saying, where does God fit, that perhaps suggests the main issue. We are to examine what we fill up with, what sustains us, what gets us by, what's the go-to after a stressful moment. Is it a glass of wine? Is it that we just watch TV? Is it that we gamble? Is it that we gossip? Is it that we spend Because if we fill up with the things of God, finding people who walk with us, point us to Jesus, worship, reading His Word, we understand our failures, we're going to continue, but we have confidence, as it says in verse 21, before God to come to Him time and time and time again with our failures, not in fear. We understand our shortcomings and we journey with Jesus. He shapes us. He changes us. He doesn't leave us as He finds us. So what's in the cup, what spills out, what we give away changes too. Let's stand.